Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself wrap up our discussion on Article 6 of the Augsburg Confession, A New Obedience, looking at a New Testament passage found in the book of James. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. You guys just missed, like, Jason getting down. Yeah. My, my rap skills that yeah, I told play I didn't oh, have. What's the name yeah. of that song again? He had his flow going, I was going, thinking man. jump on it. Oh, ju- yeah, jump <laughs> I can also I can also rap the first verse of uh, Whoomp, There It Is from memory. And most of the, the first verse of... 1992 uh, Bulls in that song. Yeah, Ice Ice Baby. Yes. Yeah, I can. Yep. That's. I've that's actually done shows with the, mm-hmm. both of those artists. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. So as oh, as oh, completely Brian, surreal cool. and odd as this was, I spent the better part of a day last week convincing a friend of my son's <laughs> that I could defeat E.T. in a rap battle. <laughs> and that After right that there, meme? The, yeah, the... yeah and, and, right, and right there is why I love social media. <laughs> so... Oh, Lord, help us. Oh, yes. You, you guys can get that image out of your head now. So yeah, what are we talking right. about today, guys? Yeah, so we're, we're wrapping up our arc of episodes on Article 6 of the Augsburg Confession. Um, and we are, as is our custom, doing a couple of Bible studies uh, showing that these truths flow from Scripture and we're not just pulling them out of air. Um, or the early Lutherans weren't. And so we're in James 2, and we were surprised to realize that we've never talked about these verses on our podcast. Yeah, it's it's kind of surprising because James 2 is one of those gotcha passages that, especially the Roman Catholics, but a lot of people mm-hmm. accuse Lutherans of like, well, you guys can't do justification by faith alone through grace yep. alone. Here, you look at this. Yeah, right James. The Bible. Yep. What was more stunning is that we've already done a Bible study on Micah 6, 8, mm-hmm. but we haven't done James 2. So we're yeah. including both ends of that spectrum. You know, right. and in, with full disclosure, though, Luther struggled oh, with yeah. these verses greatly and mm-hmm. really uh, said some probably nasty things mm-hmm. about this epistle. Yeah, mm-hmm. the called James the epistle of straw. I know. Mm-hmm. Which, But in fairness, and, and I don't have the exact context memorized, but it has been the tendency of Christianity through the decades to hold the the epistle of James up mm-hmm. as if it's that Bible acronym version of Christianity, you know, basic instructions before leaving earth. It's that <laughs> that handbook mentality. This is, this yeah. is the action manual. Well, it's, yeah. you know, exactly what we said a couple episodes ago is just give me something to, yeah, do. Show me what to do. And James, yep. if you're not reading it carefully, and again, if you're not reading it in the light of the rest of scripture, it's going to seem like James has a different message than Scripture. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it does not. It does and not, Luther yeah. came to understand that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when you're constantly under attack from people who have terrible theology and they're using the same proof text over and over and over again to undermine what you're teaching, I can see why Luther said what he said. I don't mm-hmm. agree with it, but mm-hmm. I, I realize how he got there. <laughs> and that's good. Yeah, and that's a good reminder. We're not lock, stock, and barrel with everything Luther said. Yeah. Um, Thank God. So, as yeah, all right. So anyway, we, yeah. you know, and I think it's good to remember we quote Luther when we quote mm-hmm. him. We quote him because he's right, right, and not, not because, because of him, because yeah. he's Luther and everything yeah. he said but was right. But in all fairness, it's good to bring out the fact that mm-hmm. he yeah. did get this wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he know? went a little overboard at times, Absolutely. especially early Luther when Luther was in his cage stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think verse one so was really he a set, cage stage Lutheran. He was, <laughs> he was meta. Whoa. <laughs> 
Uh, sorry, Brian. What were no, you that's saying? okay. I think verse one is really important in the discussion of this, where James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and to the twelve tribes of the dispersion. And Jason, how, how is that important in understanding James from a proper perspective? Well, if we're under the assumption that this is Jesus's brother, uh, we have to realize at the very start of it, uh, when Jesus was on earth. This man who wrote this epistle did not believe mm-hmm. what Jesus was, was exactly. saying. Yep. And he's moved in a relationship with Christ from brother to servant. And yeah. so there is, by definition, there the gospel has had an impact on this man. Yeah. But also by definition, um, a, I'm trying to get this. It would be doulos Christu is the Greek for it, servant of Christ. Mm-hmm. It is the exact same title Paul uses for himself. Mm-hmm. So, so from a from a bird's eye view of the New Testament, Paul and James are not in opposition. No, they're, they're occupying the same office here. Especially the term Christ, because that's yeah. ma- that's mm-hmm. the Messiah. That's Greek for Messiah. Yep. So James is ascribing to his half brother, however you want to word it. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is God, yeah. the Messiah. Yeah. Christ and that is, is really important here. Christ is not a law title. It's a gospel title. Yes. It's, it's salvation in yes. view. So mm-hmm. with that, Brett, we're yes. jumping ahead to chapter 2, verse yep. 14, and then we'll finish the whole chapter. Because yeah. the other context of that is that the Messiah, from a Jewish perspective, was the one that would bring about God's plan of salvation mm-hmm. and realize Isaiah end of 52 into 53. Mm-hmm. And James is describing that this is that person that bore the iniquity of us all. Yep. Yep. And and the focus of of Messiah. Knock my computer over. <laughs> the focus of Messiah in in Hebrew it's the aspect of deliverer. Yes. It's, and it's why, uh, I mean, we're, we're getting all kinds of background information, but I just can't help myself here. It's one of my favorite things. Well, the, Jews, mm-hmm. the Jews of Jesus' day believed that the Messiah was going to be a military freedom fighter who yep. would, would ride into Jerusalem on his white horse with the armies behind him mm-hmm. and wipe out the Romans and return the Jews to their position of yep. favor. And, and, and part of that uh, is the way in which the Old Testament talks about deliverance mm-hmm. has a very militaristic bent to it because mm-hmm. one of the offices of the Messiah is king. Absolutely. And so, like, if you read through Isaiah, and it's in the 40s, I can't remember the specific chapter, when Isaiah prophesies about Cyrus, who is to come yeah. 300, 400 years after he's mm-hmm. on, he, Cyrus is given the title Messiah because he's the one who delivers the Jews out of captivity and allows them to return back to the promised land. And so there was this this group of Jews that believed the Messiah was wholly a political figure, and it turns out the dominating image of the Messiah in military deliverance is one of taking the people out of bondage and into freedom, and that becomes the dominating image or the dominating type of what our salvation looks like being taken out of the devil's captivity and our bondage to sin and into freedom and the forgiveness of sins as a member of Mm -hmm. God's kingdom, as a son of God. And as the apostles came to know through Christ Jesus himself Mm -hmm. that it was Christ coming in in that seed of David mm-hmm. that was to establish God's eternal kingdom and not really do a physical deliverance from a land or from uh, us being a vassal country to the Roman Empire. It was that God's kingdom would be established through Christ as the believing mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And that is the teaching of the apostles. And an, I think a 
another thing that's really important, and I'll shut up. I, I promise. <laughs> is is uh, when P when Peter was confronted by the Apostle Paul in the Book of Galatians, chapter two. Guess who was there? James. And so they were all there, present with the apostles. And as Paul calls out Peter for treating the Gentiles mm-hmm. differently, the gospel that is presented in the Book of Galatians is the same gospel that James is describing to in his epistle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the same gospel that will you remember James instructions to Paul after the council in Acts 15 exactly is to say you uphold the gospel yep. there's no extra conditions on the gentiles other than that you abstain exactly. from foods to, I, you have this vocational situational mm-hmm. righteousness so that more people can re- receive the gospel and i th- i think that's i don't know if that was lost on luther but i think it's what's lost mm-hmm. on a lot of american christianity today that we lose that context we don't think about those mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah we yep, just completely good. blitzed you, Brett. Now hey, you can read. That's okay. <laughs> yep. You guys are, this is good. Um, all right. So I'll read James 2 verses 14 through 26. Read in Jesus name. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Here ends the scripture reading. Some hard, hard phrases to wrestle with in that passage. And it's Mm -hmm. it's all good. Yes. Um, First, we would note in this passage, again, Faith alone justifies, mm-hmm. but faith is never alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If what you confess doesn't change how you act, how you live out your life on a daily basis, then what you are confessing might as well be the answer to a trivial pursuit question. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And and that's exactly the, the quote from verse 19 about the yep. demons. Yep. So... Uh, on on this level, we would reject the tradition of American Christianity mm-hmm. that treats faith as if it is mental assent yeah. to a series of truths. Right. Yep. That that cannot be the case Good. because every single one of the demons is aware that Jesus died on the cross, that mm-hmm. he died on the cross for the sins of all humanity, mm-hmm. that he rose again, and that he is now at the right hand of the Father, sustaining mm-hmm. his creation as he's interceding for us with his wounds. Mm-hmm. Every single demon knows that. Yeah. That that knowledge doesn't impact him, and we're not permitted to go to, well, what are you going to do with that truth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's that this reality 
does something. Mm-hmm. It creates something. Yeah. And, and so faith can't be knowledge of trivia. Mm-hmm. That's at the one end of the spectrum. But I think we probably, from a Lutheran perspective, kind of have to deal with verses, you know, 22, 23, 24, 25 mm-hmm. that talk about justification. And, and, and how do we handle James taking a passage that Paul has taken mm-hmm. in Romans and yep. Abraham was saved by his faith and James saying, no, Abraham was saved by his works. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the setup. So Right, the gotcha that like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, it's the got you, it's the great, you know, the the trump card. Mm-hmm. But again, with what Brian introduced us to in the context is James is not starting from a point of opposition with Paul and arguing yeah, against right. Paul. He's clarifying a completely different issue. Right, they're talking about different things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I've always handled this passage, and I, I firmly believe that this is one of the right ways to go down this, is... On the so you've got faith as mental assent. Mm-hmm. On the other end of things, you can't have faith as mere philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what James is attacking is kind of a Greek tendency of whataboutism or what ifism. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying: What if Abraham claims to have believed God? That's mm-hmm. Genesis fifteen six. Yep. But then, what if? he doesn't go to sacrifice Isaac, mm-hmm. right? Now, it's not his willingness to sacrifice Isaac that justified him. Mm-hmm. It's his willingness to sacrifice Isaac that demonstrated the faith that was already there. Yeah, right. It doesn't complete the action. Yeah. And so this what aboutism is, could Abraham have said, no, God, I'm not going to do it. And God said, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that was over the line. Mm-hmm. That it's eliminating these kind of philosophical wranglings that aren't sure. helpful. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a better way of looking at it. It's just the uh, the same with Rahab the prostitute, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we we run into this situation where our good works are evidence of our faith, mm-hmm. but we are never permitted to measure our faith by the existence or the quantity of our good works. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah, because then we'd have there. There's no assurance. There's no comfort. The gospel can't give us the full benefits of of the the full grace and forgiveness. And it's and it's again the the original premise of this entire series is theologically speaking, mm-hmm. justification and sanctification or justification mm-hmm. and good works must be separated. Mm. In reality, in the flesh and blood life of a believer, those two occur on a daily basis, side by mm-hmm. side, in real time. Mm-hmm. Right. So, is what you're saying here, the, the way the word justified is being used in this passage is different than the way justified is used in, say, like Romans? It's, it's a yes and no. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we're defining justification as God's declaration of righteousness, Mm -hmm. then what we say here is that when, uh, um, where is it? I lost my place here. That uh, James writes that you are justified by your works. Yeah, there we Mm -hmm. go. It's suddenly couldn't focus on the words on my my page, but you see that person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Mm-hmm. That is a different way of mm-hmm. using justification. Now, right. yep. the criticism to that is, oh, that's a cop-up. You mm. just redefine the word, but it's not. 
Mm-hmm. We use the same words with two different scope of definitions all the time, mm-hmm. both in theology and yep. on a daily basis. And actually, sanct- the word sanctif- sanctification is similar. It, yep. Sometimes it's used in, well, and depending on the context. So the way the Article 6 of the Augsburg Confession, and especially the Apology here, uh, the, 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 the straightaway way that we combat this criticism mm-hmm. is through this, uh, this, this gr- grammar concept of synecdoche. Mm-hmm. Which is a fun word to say. Yeah, uh, synecdoche is where a part represents the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, a more typical way of looking at it is Lutherans are very quick in theological uh, definitions to distinguish between a broad definition of a word and a narrow definition of right. a word. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, the, one of the ways we we do this all the time in the Book of Concord is the notion of gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Sometimes gospel is used to denote the whole of the Christian life or mm-hmm. the whole of, of redemption. Mm-hmm. But gospel in its most specific sense is used just for the gospel, the forgiveness of sins through mm-hmm. the death and resurrection of Christ. This is the way James is using the term justification. Mm-hmm. Justification that James is focusing on is the whole of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And then that way, faith cannot be separated from mm-hmm. works. Justification is a theological term in the very most narrow sense is God's declaration of righteousness that comes by the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where we're going with this. And if you're not satisfied and... Uh, you think it's still a play on words. There's not much else we can say. Mm-hmm. It, it either is this or it isn't this. Mm-hmm. And you're left with either James has a completely mm-hmm. different message than the rest of Scripture, which right. means you have to throw out the entire Bible, mm-hmm. or there's something else going on here. And, mm-hmm. and we know by our theological presuppositions and the analogy yeah. of faith that James is in the Bible for a reason, and it agrees with the rest of the narrative of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. good. Amen. And that's why the early church fathers, you know, were led, was led by the Holy Spirit to say this is part of the canon. This is mm-hmm. part of the New Testament because it is consistent with what Paul uh, was mm-hmm. was used by the Holy Spirit, carried mm-hmm. along by the Holy Spirit to pen and, and all of the other writers of the right. New Testament. So, Right. So so what's the application of this text in light of, art, you know, Article 6 of Augsburg sure. Confession? Start to drive that home. And the new obedience. The new obedience. The the first Mm -hmm. application is to remember that James here is describing the Christian life, not providing us with a precise theological definition. James has a different purpose Mm -hmm. in the same way that Luke has a different purpose than the Gospel of Mark, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's a different perspective. James has a different purpose than what Paul is trying to do in Galatians. In fact, you would look, you know, many people who don't agree with the Lutheran tradition might find James and Paul face-to-face in conflict with each other. And actually, I think it's a better image if you put uh, James and Paul back-to-back surrounded by a group of attackers mm-hmm. they're they're defending different perspectives of the same truth yeah, so if you that's take helpful yep. if you take paul in galatians he's defending the faith from people who would say that good works have a place in salvation mm-hmm. 
And James in James <laughs> is is defending the position of those who say uh, good works don't have a place in the Christian life. Yeah, and because of what we see in Galatians and Acts chapter fifteen, as you said earlier, that gospel uh, is the gospel described by Paul and accepted oh, by mm-hmm. James, and that's why Paul was given the right hand mm-hmm. of fellowship by the apostles. James being one of them. Yeah, yeah. and so that's the message of James: good works have a place in the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's vocation. Mm. Yes. You know, so vocation. vocation. So yes. what so faith by itself is death, it doesn't have works. And then what he says, you show me your faith apart from works, I will show you my faith by my works. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and and that right there, if we really want to get precise, and I hesitate to do this with just a couple minutes left on the episode, <laughs> but the the easiest theological boundaries for us to put on what James is explicitly talking about here is the two kinds of righteousness, Mm -hmm. right? Our righteousness before God on a vertical aspect by faith alone, in Christ alone, because of Christ's completed work on the cross and with Mm -hmm. the empty tomb. But when you say, I'm showing you my faith, that's horizontal righteousness Mm -hmm. because because of our vertical justification, because of our vertical righteousness, all we have left to do is this horizontal righteousness. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's exactly what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Paul or Peter writes in 1 Peter Mm -hmm. 3.15. Jesus says, let your light show shine before men men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And Peter writes, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks to give you a reason for the hope that you have, Mm -hmm. but do this with gentleness and respect. Mm -hmm. Both of those, Christ and Peter, are assuming that the believer is living a life Mm -hmm. of good works in their vocation and that these good works have a missionary effect to draw people Mm -hmm. to Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, the good works aren't the gospel, but the good works are what make the gospel appealing to some people. And as you say, it's the application of the gospel. Yeah. It's the application of the gospel. So so what Peter is saying is that you should be living your life as a Christian in such a way that people ask you, what's different? Mm-hmm. Why are you the way you are? Yep. And then that's your opportunity to say, well, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Yeah, preaching yep. the gospel yep. of Christ with and without words through the transformation of Christ in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also, I mean, we were just piling theological reality on top of theological reality. It's now we get to another place where the Lutherans have been particularly weak at the idea that we are actually transformed by our faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that we are growing in sanctification yes. to right. the point that people are recognizing it. again, yep. sanctification must be separate, mm-hmm. theologically speaking, from justification, yep. but they are both simultaneous realities mm-hmm. for the Christian as we live our lives. Yep. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I was kind of led to First Peter chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 6. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for those who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Mm-hmm. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not re- received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. 
Join us next week as we continue our discussion on the Augsburg Confession. God bless you and have a great week.